Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Yeah, obviously it's going to be a, a game with a lot of rushes and we're going to go back and forth. And yeah, like I said, it, it's just on us to go out, stop bleeding, and continue to play the way that we played in the first period. If we play that way the whole game, we're not going to lose very many games. So yeah, it's on us as players. We got to push back there. That was Casey Middlestat following the Buffalo Sabres' seven to four loss on Thursday against Florida. The Sabres are back on the ice tonight and will take on the Carolina Hurricanes with puck drop set for seven thirty. And pregame with Brian Gozial starts at six thirty right here on WGR Sports Radio five fifty. The Buffalo Bills are off this Sunday as they take on the New England Patriots for Monday Night Football. Countdown to kickoff with Shovel and the Bulldogs starts at five p.m. and pregame will take you all the way to kickoff at eight twenty p.m. Nate Geary will handle postgame from 12 to 2, and John Murphy, Eric Wood, and Sal Capaccio will be on the call for the game here on WGR Sports Radio 550. It's championship week in college football, and it all started last night with number 17 Utah beating number 10 Oregon 38 to 10 in the Pac-12 championship. Today, number 5 Oklahoma State versus number 9 Baylor is getting it all started at noon in the Big 12 championship. Number 1 Georgia versus number 3 Alabama for the SEC at 4. Number four, Cincinnati versus number 21, Houston for the American at four. And finally, number two, Michigan versus number 13, Iowa for the Big Ten at 8 p.m. In Big Four basketball, Niagara fell to Monmouth 57-49 and Canisius dropped to Fairfield 74-68. Today, UB travels to the Riley Center to take on St. Bonaventure at 4 p.m. And you can listen to all that on our sister station, The Bet 1520. That's your Paddock Chevrolet sports update. Visit paddockchevrolet.com for the best pre-owned inventory. I'm Zach Jones for WGR Sports Radio 550. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. What's the one thing I'm really, really good at? Bad food takes? Complain. The elite complainer right here. Sports Talk Saturday. What is it that Western New York is trying to be famous for? Chicken wings, smashing tables, and complaining? They've got one core job, and it's to make coffee well not even good just well on wgr this is my first opportunity to drink a coffee and now i'm disappointed sports radio 550 okay good morning saturdays are for coffee i don't have one because i finished it before i got into the studio so you can't look at me any differently good morning i'm nate geary and um yeah we've got kind of a whole day whole afternoon set up for you i got um some guests to talk Bills. I've got some guests to talk Sabres. A little bit of potentially some college football. I've got Zach Jones here. He's behind the board today. And, um, yeah, we've got a whole afternoon planned like normal. I've got Joe Yerden who's going to jump on here in just under 10 minutes or so. Uh, Joe and I will preview tonight's Sabres tilt. Uh, they play 
the Hurricanes are one of the best teams in hockey after a pretty disappointing 7-4 to loss uh, the other night after going up 4-1. to uh, and uh, a, a, a tough loss to take Aaron Dell in that game, the goaltender um, with Uka Pekalukinen up due to injury to Dustin Tokarski, who is on, who is now week-to-week on the Sabres injury report. They obviously go out and trade for Malcolm Subban. So we'll bring on Joe Yurden to talk a little bit about uh, the week ahead, what to expect from Malcolm Subban, uh, who doesn't necessarily post the greatest AHL numbers, but we'll see what he looks like. Uh, he's going to get some opportunities to play a lot of hockey over the next month or so. So we'll talk to Joe uh, in a couple of minutes. 11.30, our very own Sal Capaccio joins me. We will uh, preview Bills and Patriots Monday Night Football. He had Patrick Hammer on yesterday, meteorologist over at WGRZ. And... Uh, he provided a pretty dreary forecast for Monday Night Football. Potential to get up to 40 mile per hour winds. Uh, I, 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 on my way in this morning, I, I, I took a look at my weather app, which, you know, as a golfer, I would tell you that I am very close to an amateur meteorologist. And looking at 90% precipitation and uh, high winds for Monday night is not exactly ideal weather for primetime football. But we'll talk to Sale, see how that affects each team and uh, what his overall thoughts are heading into the weekend. Mike Giardi of NFL Network will join us at 12. Uh, he has sort of been uh, ear to the ground for both sides here for the Bills and Patriots. So we'll get his thoughts on what Monday night football looks like, who, uh, you know, sort of what the AFC implications from this game are. The New York Times playoff calculator has the Bills in the front, sort of the catbird seat of sort. The Bills win on Monday night and the Ravens lose against the Steelers this weekend. The Bills would have the best chances to secure the number one seed in the AFC, which I would probably have told you last week or really up until today, until I saw that stat that uh, I had sort of thrown the one seed for the AFC out the window. And I cannot tell you now that it's sort of right back in the midst and right back in the front of all of our faces how important that one seed will be for a Bills potential Super Bowl run. I, I, I think it's basically one seed for the Super Bowl, or I'm not sure this team has the ability to get there. So we'll talk more with Mike Giardi about that at noon, 1230. My man Mar- Mark Schofield, USA Today, uh, the touchdown wire. He's going to join us at 1230. We're going to really take a deep dive on Zach, uh, on Mac Jones, Matthew Judon, everything that has sort of been going right over the last month or so for the New England Patriots. I was on Mark's podcast earlier this week. Uh, we talked a lot about Mac Jones, some of the things that he does just at, at such a high level so early. And uh, Evan Lazar was on my podcast last night with Bruce Exclusive and myself uh, over at, uh, at on Food for Thought on the uh, Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. And uh, we, we talked at length with Evan about the things that Mac Jones does so darn well. Uh, so we'll talk more about that with Mark Schofield at 12.30. And then at 1 o'clock, we'll take a look at the college football playoff. A big day for college football today. Uh, we've got the SEC Championship, uh, Alabama versus Georgia. We've got the Big Ten Championship, Michigan versus Iowa. We've got the AAC Championship uh, today. We've got, I believe that's Cincinnati versus Houston, if I'm not mistaken. Then we've got uh, Big 12 Championship today, Oklahoma State versus Baylor. And uh, and then we've got Notre Dame sort of sitting in the background waiting for these games to happen today. Brandon Marcello will join me at 1 o'clock. And uh, Brandon, of course, is a national college football reporter for 
24-7 Sports. So we'll get his sort of view. He is going to be at the SEC Championship game tonight, so we'll get a preview of that. We'll also uh, talk a little bit about Notre Dame's new coach, Marcus Freeman, the move for Brian Kelly to LSU, the move for Lincoln Riley to USC, what Oklahoma does next. We've got a lot of really interesting storylines to catch up with Brandon on uh, for college football, so we'll do that at 1 o'clock. Uh, not, and on top of that, I mean, the, the transfer portal right now for quarterbacks uh, may be the most impressive and 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 maybe uh, what would be the good word here? I want uh, decorated class for transfer portal quarterbacks I've ever seen. Dylan Gabriel of uh, of of South. Uh, I'm sorry, of Central Florida. You've got Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma. You've got the kid I, I forget his name with the mohawk and the great hair from Ohio State who entered the transfer portal. Uh, who's looking at the Texas schools? Texas, Texas A&M. And Texas Tech, and then um, yes, we've we've got a whole bunch of great college football talk coming at the one o'clock hour. You'll want to stick around for that. But let's go to the Western Hotline now because my uh, my good pal Joe Yurden joins me to um, to a talk a little bit, and we'll talk a little bit about what he's got going on now um, in terms of where you can find his work. He's got a lot of great things in the pipeline. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell anybody about some of the things, so we'll let him talk about it. Um, on top of that, we'll talk a little Sabres here. So first and foremost, good Saturday morning to you, Joe. It's a pleasure to have you on, and uh, I hope you're doing well. Doing great, Nate. It's nice to talk to you once again. It's, uh, it, it, is a, it is a nice day. It's a great day to, when I get to talk to you. Yeah, and you know, I look outside, and it's it's like sort of that beautiful fall day that everybody talks about, and then potentially on Monday Night Football, we'll have like a tornado or like a super cyclone or a bomb cyclone or something. So that'll be fun for uh, for all those who enjoy outdoor sports. Not us; we're indoor sports people. That's right. We we, we like the indoor sports, and I mean, hey, listen, the the Bills could be an indoor sports team. They too, could, but, you know. That's that's uh, listen. You know, I mean. It's a fiery topic around these parts. Uh, we don't want to. I don't want to piss anybody off on their Saturday morning. So you and I will stick to talking about the Sabers, which surely won't piss anybody off. Um, and you know, listen, I, Joe, this uh, that that matchup on Thursday night against the Panthers. I talk about the tale of sort of one half game to the other half, right? A thirty-minute performance that I I think you could probably hang your head on as one of the best thirty-minute performances we've seen from this hockey team all season mm-hmm. against. Probably a Stanley Cup favorite right now in the Florida Panthers. Uh, just as, as, as deep and as good at the top of that roster as they are at the bottom as maybe any team in the league. You watch Dylan Cousins in that game put on a show in the first 30 minutes. And I think what it showed me, Vinny Henestrosa sort of has his coming back game, right? I mean, two goals that were absolute beauties. To you, short of this team just being devoid of talent at the back end in goal, and, and, and maybe that's where I want, I want to start, because I want to say, Joe, that it feels like the Sabres have been playing at like a borderline playoff team level with probably the worst goaltending in the league. Is that, like, is that fair to say? They, their effort level is certainly playoff, playoff level. Um, I think the way that they're playing is it's, it's, a, it's an excellent style of play. I mean, I don't think we can argue with their offensive output whatsoever. I mean, any team that's scoring three to four goals a game should be doing really well, uh, without a doubt. Uh, they, they should be doing, they should be doing better than this. And the fact that they that they're already exceeding expectations this season is impressive. Because you know, I mean, I I guess it's impressive because the bar was set underground to get over, but. Uh, <laughs> But like, it was but dug in a honestly, trench. Yeah, that's, right. that makes sense. You know, yeah, it's, you know the the bars in the basement, and you know it's they're they're getting over it. But um, but they, but they, the way they've played is is genuinely 
good. They've generally been a strong team to play uh, to face this year. And, you know, anybody thinking they're going to go into Buffalo and, and get an easy time has been proven very wrong. You know, it, you know, with, with a few, you know, minor exceptions, you know, Calgary flames, for example, sure. <laughs> um, but like uh, most everybody else has had a real hard time dealing with them. And for good reason, the Sabres have played, played very well. They played, you know, played very strong. They're putting the pressure on other teams and yeah, goaltending is a big problem, but I don't, see how that was an uh, an unforeseeable situation uh going into this year i mean you know I, I the fact that everybody's pining for craig anderson to come back is says a lot about a how well anderson played but b you know how much how, how little was expected of the goaltending this year so it's not an un you know it's not an unforeseeable thing uh to have this lack of success in goal but i think the level of of how poor it's been is surprising I, and surprising to a degree but uh to, to see it at this kind of level is is tough because the way the team's playing you, you the, the, they should get rewarded with with a few more w's like that's that's the whole thing and when you've got when you've had goaltending that's been this poor it's it's a real detriment to the to the to the psyche of the team to to be able to play these games to score three four even five goals in a game and then lose because you know your netminder can't keep some pucks out like that's that's what you have to keep from from getting uh, the rest of the team down because it's uh, it's tough. It's very tough to watch and become kind of predictable. I, I yeah. mean, granted, how the Florida game went is a little bit above and beyond. I think what was expected, but um, but yeah, it's from one side of it that's tough to watch, but the other side of it, everything else they've been doing has been very strong. Joe, I guess my question for you is short of assuming that you weren't going to have a a long-term injury to Craig Anderson, which I want to say maybe is a fair thing to have predicted because he is 41 years old and thinking that he was just going to be available for you for 82 games this year to play and be in and out of the lineup, I think probably isn't a great way to, um, I, I guess, go into a season. So I guess, listen, I think Kevin Adams, Joe, deserves a ton of credit for the roster that he's put in front of you know, Don Granado. And, and I think they're mm-hmm. getting a lot out of bottom six players, which I know this fans of this organization for the better part of a decade have just been saying, like, can you get anybody else in this bottom six to perform? Because the bottom six you continue to roll back is just not good. But I think when you look at this goaltending uh, situation, right, Dustin Tokarski, everybody sort of figured UPL is not going to be here, at least not, not in the first half of the season. And it's gotten mm-hmm. to the point, Joe, where they've determined this is so bad and we still refuse and we're not going to bring, we're not going to rush the development of Ukopeka Lukanen just to sort of save a goal or two a night uh up and up in the nhl which i guess i i would say historically speaking is not how this organization has operated so i guess i can appreciate in one breath saying that i believe kevin adams is handling his young goaltending situation very well but in the other breath he did not prepare the nhl roster with good enough goaltending now he makes the move earlier this week to go get malcolm suban and you want to go look at the stats everyone's like well suban's got a sub 900 save percentage uh he's right around three goals per game and he's got 36 wins in his career in the nhl he's not putting up really great numbers, very similar numbers in the AHL. But when you look in, in comparison, Joe, to Aaron Dell right now, who this year uh, in in four games started, first of all, he's 0-5 in six games played, as a 4-7-0 goals against and an 8-6-8 save percentage. I, 
I, I don't really know how to put that into words other than to say that is terrible. Um, he obviously can't play in the NHL, like, and that's why you make a move for Malcolm Subban. What are you expecting from Subban, I guess, is is, is where my come-around question is to, to laying that groundwork there. What is the expectation in your mind for Subban, and is this a player that you think can at least steady the room? I don't think anyone's expecting him to come in and be a number one goaltender. I mean, that would be great, but he hasn't really shown that ability, um, and, and maybe that ability that a lot of people were hoping he would be, being the 24th pick back in 2012. Yeah, Subban, I think they're viewing as somebody who's uh, better, than, who's going to be able to perform better than, than Dell has. I would find it very hard to believe that he could do worse. Uh, and if he does if he does do worse, oh, man. I, I you know, uh, you, you mentioned Lucan, and I don't, I think the plan for him is not have him be in Buffalo at all because he needs, he needs games in Rochester. He needs the games. He needs the minutes. You know, I, I know Seth Appert's been, been working him like crazy down there uh so that's you know that that's that's a good thing for Lucan. i know some of the results have been a little bit roller coastery with him but uh but that's fine let him work it out there like that that's okay uh but with suban you know you mentioned that you know the goals against average of three which is not great uh but it's better than nearly five which which is what dell's rocking this year and i that's that blows my mind to see that uh from an nhl goaltender um but i you know it goes back to you know, I, and you know, I, I it, it's it's an area you could pick on Adams about. You know, the, with the goaltending being, you know, as poor as it is. Um, but I, I suspect that they thought they had a deal done with with Linus Allmark at some point, and then you know, Boston throws a fourth year into that contract, and you know, bye bye Linus, and then they're kind of scrambling because I, I think you could, I, if if you wind it back to the off season, if you sign Allmark and Craig Anderson, it's not bad for for a one two because then Allmark's your absolute number one, and Anderson's a pretty solid veteran to spell him. Um, instead, they're caught scrambling, and um, you know, seeing it play out this way is not terribly surprising because uh, you know, you're right. When you sign Anderson, you're not expecting him to play you know, 70 games a year. You're not expecting them to play 60 even. Like, I doubt you're even expecting them to play 50 uh, at that rate because, uh, you know, it, it's it's like the golfer thing where it, once you get older, if you can shoot your age, it's pretty great. You know, if, if Craig Anderson could play as many games as his age, well, okay. Right. Either, some, <laughs> either something happened or, like, that's – or he's played so well that you have to play him that many games. So, um, so I mean, it's not surprising. But bringing in Subban is – is trying to put a Band-Aid on a, on a hatchet wound here a little bit because, uh, because you know, Anderson is out month to month now. You know, with whatever his injury is, is that, that seems very unfortunate because, you know, as much as I've been critical of, of, of some of the injury reports from the Sabres, this one I kind of understand because I think whatever he's got has fluctuated a bit. Um, so I, I think with Subban, you're just looking for somebody to, to kind of hold it down a little bit while, you know, until Tukarski, you know, comes off the COVID list. And, you know, hopefully Dell doesn't have to play in too many other games while he's on that list uh, because you don't, I don't think they, I don't think they want to see him in another game uh, until Tukarski comes back. I don't back. think they need to see him in another game, Joe. No, I, you don't need to see more than what you've gotten out of him already. It's the, the, Honestly, the fact that they signed him in the first place yeah. is pretty surprising because his numbers last year were not much better than this. Um, so, but I think – Buffalo's in a spot now where I think they're what they've done is kind of exceeded expectations yeah. a little bit. Um, and they're, they're kind of in a weird spot because I think if, 
if the goaltending was even average, they'd be in the middle. Yeah, they'd be right in the middle, which is hovering right around a playoff spot, which <sighs> makes me, which you you may love or hate, right? Person, but it reminds me of uh, Sean McDermott's first year at the Bills mm. with Tyrod, where suddenly yeah. they're in the wild card talk, and their whole plan that year was like, well, Tyrod, we're going to phase him out, we're going to bring in Peterman, and we'll see if we got a guy there, and. It was like, no, 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 what are you doing? Well, you're messing with stuff now. Like, you've got, you, you, you're in a playoff spot. Why, why mess with this? And now the Sabres you know, are expected to be a bottom five team. And suddenly they're in a spot where it's like, hey, if we can kind of pick up business here, we might be able to hang around on this playoff race, which I don't, honestly, I don't know if that's what you want right now because you're looking to get some more juicy picks out of the draft. So I'm, I don't know. I, I think when you're, again, when you're looking at a, when you're staring a drought in the face like that, I think you, if you have the opportunity to push it, you got to push it. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of my next question here, Joe. Is is this a place that you believe maybe the organization is getting to on accident? And, and I wonder if it's just a little premature. I, I and and maybe. Maybe this is a good example of how random hockey is and how sort of ridiculous and impossible it's been for the Sabres to be that bad for as long as they've been and to never even sniff the middle ground again. And and the problem is, Joe, is this the talk about the middle, right? Is that's why you tank for Jack Eichel. That's why, you know, you have Sam Reinhardt, Jack Eichel, Ristolainen, and Darlene. You have all these, you know, top tier picks because you'd been bad for so long and you didn't want to be in the middle anymore and that's where they were when they when they tore everything down in the first place is they weren't the worst team in the league they were kind of smack dab in the middle and and in pro sports there's really no worse place to be joe than the middle and and i guess i wonder if the context of the middle right now has been so far gone from this fan base and from this team and organization that there's almost a welcoming embrace to say we can get back to the middle, even though that may sacrifice you know some high-end talent in this upcoming draft. I, I got to think, Joe, that this organization believes that the Paterkas and the Jack Quinns, right, and, and the Peyton Krebs of the world, and you get Alex Tuck back, and all of a sudden – you know, maybe you have a team next year. And I, I was listening to the afternoon show earlier this week. Like, did, you know, Chopin Bulldog were talking about, like, do they believe that this team is going to compete for a playoff spot next year? And they all kind of agreed that no was the answer. Mm-hmm. They would have to ask a lot of those young players. But I guess, Joe, if they're in the middle right here without those players, and you're thinking you bring those three, maybe you add a blue liner in free agency, maybe you add another goalie. I don't know what it looks like, but. I guess is the middle okay here, considering where they've been for the last decade. Well, in a, in a vacuum, the middle's a vast improvement, and you're you're happy with it. Um, for the long term sustainability of what they're building here, no. The middle the middle right now is the worst is the worst case scenario. I mean, it, because being in the middle of those drafts, like if you're picking 13, 14, 15, you're missing out on those those elite guys. And listen, Quinn and Paterka are having incredible seasons. Krebs is, is, is a fantastic ad. Owen Power is going to be an incredible defenseman once you know once he's up here, uh, which should be by the end of this season, if not for the beginning of next season. So those those guys are great, but again, behind them, you have to fill in the ranks. Like this, is, you know, I use the Bills comparison, which is which is again great in a vacuum. But football changes on a dime, and you're not really building for the future in football. You're always going for the brass ring immediately because you don't have time to develop guys. You know, it, you know, the past you used to be able to develop a quarterback, but no, now, now you're drafting them and throwing them right into the fire. 
Um, now with, with, with hockey, you can't, you can't just swing for the fences immediately. And honestly, the fences right now, it's little league fences for the Sabres because you're not, you're not gunning for a real home run here because you don't have, you don't have the team that can pull that off. You've got, you've got to fill out ranks. You've got to build out. You've got to make this a more sustainable thing. This roster outside of the goaltender is extremely young. And when you're looking at, when you're adding, when you're looking at the guys down, down the road in the pipeline, those guys are extremely young. I mean, this is, this is like the, the fourth, third or fourth youngest team in the NHL right now, which is, you know, which is expected, you know, given what you know, the changes that they made. But when you're, when you're looking at taking aim and saying like, well, we want to get better, but I don't think you want to be the, you know, the 18th best, best team in the NHL right now. I think you want to be that, you want to be a bottom, you know, it's, it, you don't, you want to build the right, the right thoughts and the right way to do things. But I don't think necessarily you want to have that much success right away. And I'm not saying to tank games. I'm just saying, like, if you're learning faster than not, that's great. But also, like, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking going into this year you're going to have a top-five pick. And you're thinking probably the next year after that, probably a top-ten pick. So um, to have this kind of success now, it's nice. You, you like wins. You want wins. But I don't necessarily believe that you wanted it to be – like this right now. Now, mind you, this sounds crazy because we're 20 games into the year, 25 games into the year. There's so much season left to go. And things are going to change. Things are going to change, you know, as the season goes on. And we've seen that happen so many times where they get off to a nice start. And you're like, wow, things are going great. And then, you know, the, you know, the floor caves in and then the house falls in on you. And then suddenly you're at the bottom. So we, we get how that goes. But, um, but for what they're look for what the plan is, you have to kind of find a way to stick to stick to the plan. Now, I, you, you can't tell guys to not play. Yeah, right. Of course, guys to do things poorly. You're not doing that. But um, but when it comes to building this team long term, you need like, a year or two more of those elite level players to really kind of stack the deck for you. Well, the, and the problem is, Joe, is I think a lot of people look at the NHL and they're like, all right, well, the Sabres can be in this position. They can stockpile these picks and all of a sudden they can become free agent, you know, like a, a not necessarily a destination, but a place that, you know, younger, maybe reclamation projects is probably the right word in free agency that you're going to be able to acquire. But like the NHL free agency is not the NFL free agency. You're not getting juicy 24 and 25 year olds coming onto their second contract um, available. I mean, like the free agent pools like, oh, hey, do you want a uh, extra used 35 year old Chris Letang? Like, do you want like that, that? Those are the options like Evgeny Melkin, 35. Johnny Goudreau is like the youngest one that's available. Patrice Bergeron, you want a slightly used? You know, so it's like I, they're in a tough spot because they've proven you can't build for, through free agency. Maybe they're the, there's no better example of not being able to build through free agency than, than the Sabres. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, there's no saving grace in free agency waiting for them. No, no. And free agency to try to solve your problems is not the way. I, to, to kind of fill out the rest of your roster, to, 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 get, to, to plug in those, you know, those veterans you need to kind of make things go or to get a, you know, a solid backup goaltender or, you know, you know, finding little pieces in free agency is the way it is what you're supposed to do. Finding that guy that's going to put you over the top doesn't really happen now no. Be- because those elite guys are signing huge deals out of their entry level years. And then they're, you know, it's, you know, they're, st- they're staying five, six, seven years with those teams, taking them up to free agency, which happens when they're what, 27, 28. 
you know, the, the, you know, with the way statistical, you know, analysis is gone, like that's when you start, that's when the, uh, the, the play starts to falter in the NHL, which is, I mean, blows my mind that at 28 years old, it's like, well, he's on the downside of his career. Like, that's crazy, but that's how it works. You know, there's so few guys that, that continue to get better, you know, once they hit 27 or 28 years old, there's very few of those guys that can pull it off. But, you know, it, it that's why you have to kind of, find ways to pull strings you have to have better scouting you have to have better ways to break things down and you know that you know listen the, the, this past draft the Sabres had guys they picked a lot of them are really producing well in the yeah. first year out of the draft so yep. that's nice but like that those guys deeper down the list are two three four years out even. easily you know, the Russian the yep. Russian guys you may not see for you know five six seven years so or you know if at all like if they just stay in the KHL then you know them's the breaks like that's how it goes but um, but like, you know, you like seeing that you don't want to see these guys you know, kind of stumble and trip through their, their junior careers and say like, well, no, maybe he'll put it together at some point. And, you know, if you're saying that about a draft pick, it's like, oh, all right. You know, they're kind of hanging on, you know, not to really pick on him, but it's, you know, it's kind of like how we looked at Alex Nylander his first year out yeah. of, you know, after he was drafted and you're like, well, you know, Hey, he's, he's got, a, he's got time. He's going to put it together. And, Sure. You know, sometimes it just sometimes it just never happens. But uh, but yeah, but this is why you have to kind of this is why you have to you have to very carefully manage how you fill out ranks with this. And that's why, you know, it's why I, I give Kevin Adams a lot of credit because he's had so much shoveled on onto his back to try to get everything put together from you know putting a, an executive team together, doing all the things that he's had to do. And now now he's got a team that's playing probably a little bit above their heads. And having some success that fans, you know, have been dying to have, and he's kind of he's like, well, I wish we weren't doing this good right now because, <laughs> you know, we need we need to kind of build up build up this uh, to build up the supply. So, um, but yeah, it, it's it's gonna be a long year. It's it's still so much of the season ahead of so us. I love the way that they're playing, and the goaltending stinks, and like that's you know them's the breaks. But um, but as far as you know trying to go for it right away this year like that that's that's not the way to that's not the way to handle things right now like ha- build on the success that you're having and let it grow joe uh before i uh i let you go and have you uh promote and uh tell the people where they can find your stuff right now i have a very important question i don't have a lot of time for you to answer so this will <laughs> the rest of your answer will do over a beer uh but gandalf <laughs> or dumbledore in a fight oh uh, gandalf I think I think I gotta go Gandalf. I think I do too, uh, and that's that's nothing against Dumbledore, who is probably the most powerful wizard of all mankind. Uh, I just Gandalf has a badassness to him that I'm just I'm just I don't know. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, you and I will finish that discussion over multiple beers because that that'll span hours. But uh, yeah. tell the folks where they can find your work, Joe. Well, you can find me uh, on Substack. Uh, you can find me at Noted Hockey on Substack, where uh, lots of fun stuff going on, trying to, trying to use some of those connections to the hockey industry to do some cool stuff. Had a nice post this week with, uh, with Jack Han, kind of breaking down what's made Tage Thompson break out a little bit, what, you know, struggle, what's happened with Darlene's struggles, how Don Granado's kind of pulling, pulling the strings with this team and changing things up. It's trying to do things a little bit different have some fun with it and you know maybe crack into my head a little bit because you know I think that's what the people really wanted to have so yeah we're having some fun over there and uh, and also doing some work with die by the blade I had a nice piece on own power there this week so easy to check me out there and uh, yeah, we got a podcast in the pipeline coming up so 
which you know, I'm excited about. Everybody, everybody's got a podcast. So, that's right. You know, I know it's, it's that's the way it goes. But uh, but yeah, cooking something up here, and we'll have more details on that as we as we get it put together. But uh, it should be should be really good. It'll be something that's something that we haven't had in the city regarding the NHL team since uh, since Tom Martin and I did the Oddcast mm. back in the, back a few years ago. So be along those kinds of uh, lines of, of podcasts. Well, I'm looking forward to that, buddy. I appreciate you as always. Thanks for stopping by, talking some hockey, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Yeah, you got it, Nate. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you, buddy. Joe Yurden on the Wester Hotline. i got to take a quick timeout because i got Sal Capaccio on the other side. We'll transition to football here coming up here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Not going to waste any more time. Go right to the Western Hotline because Sale Capaccio joins me live in Sale. Oh, man, this weather report, it just seems like it's getting worse and worse as we inch closer and closer to Monday Night Football. Uh, I know you had Pat Hammer on yesterday. I was I was uh, at work at the time on a call, and I didn't hear your, your segment with Pat Hammer. So for those that may not have heard on the Extra Point Show your segment with Pat Hammer yesterday, can you encapsulate a little bit of what the expectations are for Monday Night Football, maybe what tailgaters can be expecting when they're out in the blots and such, and then as they head into the game for the game, or uh, head into the uh, stadium for the game? Has it gotten worse? I'm not sure. I don't think it has. I think he just texted me a little while ago and said um, 50 to 60 mile an hour winds are possible Monday, but that's before the game. Okay, that's maybe game what I saw Game time wins. Game time wins. 25 to 35 with 40 plus gusts. Uh, still bad. <laughs> but it looks like the worst of the winds might have subsided by then. Um, tailgating? Nail down whatever you have, man, because it's going to blow away. 50 to 60 mile an hour winds are possible uh, throughout the day on Monday. As Pat said yesterday, the wild card is the snow. We don't know about snow right now. We're going to get a better feel for that. Pat's going to join me on the Extra Point Show Monday at 11.35 a.m. So we're going to so we'll get a the fresh update. Nice. Fresh, as close as possible to what we can. And for people leaving to go out and tailgate. So, yeah, uh, that's the wild card is the snow. But the wind is coming. The wind will be there. 
and we are looking at 25 to 35 at game time with 40-plus gusts possible. Let's just throw a precipitation here, Sal. Let's just talk about what the, the, the implication, the impact of that sort of wind. Let's say during the game we've got gusts to 40 miles per hour, but it's a steady 20-25. What do you think that does to each team's game plan, and is there a team here that maybe you think – and, and – I had this discussion yesterday, and I'm wondering how much this type of weather will come down to physicality at the line of scrimmage. Like, whoever's the more physical team will end up victorious if weather really becomes an impact. Sure. I think, like, look, the way the Patriots want to play the game, this plays more into their hands, right? They'd rather play a game at the line of scrimmage, controlling the ball, controlling the clock, you know, having their quarterback not have to do a lot necessarily. Um, they, they, they've built an offensive line and a team to run the ball and to be able to do that. So I, I think that the conditions themselves would play into more of what the Patriots' overall game plan would be. However, I think you could look at it the other way in a positive for the Bills, which is the Patriots are already limited in throwing the ball downfield. This could make them even more limited and really allow the Bills to zero in on the line of scrimmage more and devote more resources to the line of scrimmage and basically make the Patriots even more, I'd say, one-dimensional than what the Bills already maybe want to make them. So I think you could look at it both ways. The other part of this is, look, I mean, how many times have we heard, Nate, since 2018 when Josh Allen was drafted out of Wyoming, big, strong-arm quarterback, that they drafted him for games like this. They drafted him for late December, January, now February games in Buffalo when the weather starts to turn. So this is kind of a referendum on that, which is, okay, you have the stronger arm quarterback. You have the guy you drafted for this. We didn't hear that when when Mac Jones was drafted by the Patriots. We didn't hear, yeah, we drafted him for the New England weather, right? <laughs> Nothing like that. So I, I think, hey, th- go out and do it now. This is what – because it might only be three, four, or five throws that you got to make in this wind – and, and, and you better have – now you, you're supposed to have the quarterback who can make those throws in the win versus the other guy. I know our uh, our buddy Ryan Talbot over at Syracuse.com <laughs> did a little write-up uh, as, the, as the lowest temperature that uh, Mac Jones in his career has played in uh, is 48 degrees, which was in Tuscaloosa at the end of the year in college. That is – it's going to be a brisk 36 degrees, and with the wind chill, it could be much lower than that. Yeah. How do you expect what I guess what what are your expectations of Mac Jones in this sort of game? Because we haven't seen him in these kind of conditions. You're talking about they did, definitely didn't draft him in his arm strength for these conditions. This was sort of the concern about Mac Jones is when he got to the NFL, would his arm strength be able to sort of cut through the northeast wind when it gets into November and December? What do you expect their offense to look like, Sal? And I'm I'm gonna ask you about the defense in a second because I had a great conversation with Evan Lazar yesterday that I want to pick your brain on. But what do you expect it to look like if the conditions really are a factor for the Patriots, obviously a, a lot of run, but how would you expect Mac Jones to function in a game like this? Like they have the whole season because they have not attempted to really push the ball down the field, so I can't really see them doing it here. Over the last two games, last game against the Tennessee Titans, they threw five times. any The ball traveling over 15 yards from the line of scrimmage, five passes. He was... Two of five. The week before that, in a climate-controlled dome in Atlanta, he only tried three passes over 16 yards. One was intercepted. Two were incomplete. They just don't do it. They're not great at it. They're not super efficient at it. But this kind of is exactly who they are. I mean, I think they go into this game and go, okay, this is what we do anyway. We're going to keep it short. You know, again, look, they, they signed Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. Hunter Henry's, uh, he, he scores touchdowns. He's kind of like Dawson Knox. I think they have the same amount of touchdowns this year. Jonu Smith's been a little bit more involved in the offense lately. I think that the tight ends 
are very big in this game. Uh, their offense is going to look like it already has, Nate. I don't expect anything different. I think the key for the Bills is everyone always talks about third down. I think the key is first and second down. I think getting them in third and long, making sure that, hey, if he has to throw the ball, it's got to be eight yards downfield. It's not, It does not – we can't give him Jonu Smith for three yards and a first down, Hunter, Smith, Hunter Henry for two yards and a first down, and then they're going to try and control the game at the line of scrimmage to get themselves out of those third and long situations. Sal Capaccio here on the Wester Hotline. We're talking Bills in Patriots Monday Night Football. Sal, I was talking to Evan Lazar yesterday. He covers the Patriots, does a Patriots Beat podcast. And he was talking about Bill Belichick almost pulling a 180 on what he does defensively and why they're having so much success in the back end with probably one of the worst in terms of top-end talent defensive backfields that that Bill Belichick has had in his career there. Uh, J.C. Jackson's a nice player, but M- the McCourty's old. Like, they, they don't have it, and they don't have Gilmore any longer. He talked about how this team has almost completely converted to that too-high zone look. And if you go back to last year and that Monday Night Football game that the Bills and Josh Allen in particular and, and Stephon Diggs sort of went off, a lot of that sale was because Bill Belichick and that defense historically have been a man defense. And we knew at the end of the year what Bill, the, that Bills offense were doing to man coverage. How interesting is that to you that he has pivoted this way considering he's won with man coverage almost his entire career and now you're seeing this defense have so much success they're getting two quarterbacks by rushing for they still don't blitz a ton they rotate on the back end they disguise coverages and now they're playing more zone than ever before sale so how much do you believe that transition into what Bill Belichick's doing defensively is sort of him following the rest of the league which is not something that I would necessarily peg you know Bill Belichick is doing is sort of kind of picking what the rest of the league is doing it and adopting himself he's usually ahead of those curves I don't think it has as much to do with what the rest of the league is doing as it is to him necessity. not having Stephon Gilmore. Just anymore. necessity, yeah. No, I, I think it has. I think it's because they don't have Stephon Gilmore anymore. Yeah, that they're 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 able to, and and now they have a guy in uh, Duggar who is probably not going to play in this game. We don't know exactly what his situation is right now. Um, they like they love to have him on the field. Uh, look, the, if you look at and I have it in front of me, the top three percentage, the percentage of defensive snaps. For the um, for for the New England Patriots, if you go just by percentage on defense, I should say, three of the top five are safeties. They like to have three mm. safeties on the field. We're talking about Devin McCourty, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips. They play a ton. They play a ton of three safeties. I think a not having Stephon Gilmore has shifted him away from playing as much man-to-man, and B, having a guy like Kyle Duggar who plays more of a big nickel, and now you can basically roam him around and allow your zone defense to do their thing, and then he can kind of match up, right? He can kind of match up with a uh, – they'll play they'll play zone but have matchups, like Kyle Duggar against a tight end. I think that's a big key, but sure. But look, I mean, he, he's coached for so long, Nate, that I think there's probably going to be ebbs and flows throughout his coaching tenure if you go back and really look. He might have been more of a man-to-man guy for a long time, but, you know, I think you probably look back at his career and he's probably done a little bit of both. I just think the direct correlation of not having Stefan Gilmore has impacted this. Sal, I got two more for you. Let's stick with the offense for this first one. The Bills have a successful running attack on Monday night if. Like, what does that look like to you? Is it Josh Allen getting more of those design quarterback runs? Is it just the John Feliciano and Spencer Brown will be back and, and the rest of the offensive line maybe will be at close to 100%. Like, why, if they end up winning on Monday, I think it's likely because they established the run in some way, somehow. I just want to know what that looks like to you. 
I think it would look to me to be creative still and not just think you have to smash it between the tackles because of the weather. Sure. I like I like Matt Breida still, right? I think Matt Breida, look at the Titans. The Titans ripped off some big plays in the run game. They get to the second level, and there's a play there, right? I think that you have Matt Breida now. You can uh, Who's going to be active? Is Isaiah McKenzie? I'm not sure. Maybe Marquez Stevenson, yeah. Emmanuel Sanders, but somebody maybe on a, on a jet sweep, on an end around. We've seen this happen, right? I think that as long as they stay creative, both by personnel, formation, and play call by all three, I, I think that would be something you could look at. And that includes Josh Allen. Be creative. Use... I would say it this way, Nate. Use all of your resources. You know, you don't it, just because the wind is and the weather is supposed to be something that's going to you know dial you back a little bit. Doesn't mean you have to just turn around and hand it off from tackle to tackle every mm-hmm. play. You know what I mean? And yep. I, I think that's more of what the Patriots will do. I, I don't think it's what the Bills should do. Yeah, I wonder, Sale, like if the screen game is also something that you see more throws at the line of scrimmage, getting some of the getting Stephon Diggs, uh, maybe even getting like Dawson Knox included in that, and and get him in the short and and, and screen game so you can get him going because he's a physical player. With I the think ball Dawson Knox is a huge factor in this. game. I agree. I I, I, agree I, I think be specifically because of the loss of Duggar, most likely. Yeah, I think that's a really big deal for them and how this game. Yo, can wind up playing out. I I don't know about the screen game as much because of going back to what you said earlier. They don't blitz a ton. Sure, it's 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 harder to do. Yeah, Blit, that's right. Screens work against blitzes, right? I mean, if you're if you got guys that aren't blitzing and they're just hanging out within the the first five yards of the line of scrimmage, that's tough to get a screen pass off because now once you complete it, there's a bunch of defenders there. So sure, I mean, you pick your spots for that, um, but I, I think that would be a little tough. They're gonna run a lot of screens. Yep. New England is, but. You know, you wonder too. The Bills, they they're they're not a huge blitzing team either. The Bills actually blitz um, just a tick more, uh, according to the analytics stuff on the numbers, just a tick more, about the same as the uh, Patriots. So, as much as the Patriots are very good at running screens, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it as much in this game either. It made me just think of this question though, Sale. Do you expect to see more base defense in this game and maybe moving away no. from their nickel? No. No. I, I, I here's why, Nate. And, it's a really good question. I've debated it. I, I thought if they were going to do it like against the Colts would have been, even sure. as the Colts yep. are even they, as the Colts they are didn't, running they didn't the way have they are. in that game. And and I do think that mattered. Like not you don't want to bring I don't think bringing Tyrell Dotson, it's not a shot at Dotson or or Smith or anybody, but I guess maybe the, it, it's it's a better question now considering yeah, they're fully healthy at the linebacker position. It's not about it's not about the fact they want to run. They still they'll still run, you know, 11 personnel. It's sure. about personnel. Yep. yep, you're right. And the Bills have the Bills have a corner in Taron Johnson who is very physical. Yep. Now, he's not as big, but he's very physical. He's good against the run. I also think, look, I've been saying this all week, and I want to say it the right way because obviously we know that nobody can replace Tredavious White, and Dane Jackson is not Tredavious White. But he does one thing Tredavious White doesn't do as, as well or as, as, as much, and that is get physical and tackle. Like, that's not Tredavious White's game. That's Dane right. Jackson is like having an extra defender sometimes because he is a physical corner who will come, who will come and try and make a tackle. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you was about special teams, and you sort of alluded to the the question mark about whether Marquez Stevenson or um, you know Isaiah McKenzie get the nod today or on, on Monday night. I guess I would say this, Sale, with the weather conditions and your primary kick returning duties. I know the reason you benched Isaiah McKenzie was that that bad fumble that that had happened, but I don't know that I love throwing a rookie in his second game back there returning kicks with this type of weather. And maybe hey, maybe, you, you listen. You're you're not. I mean, I think you have the same sentiment as a lot of people on sure. this, right? It's a it's a it's a risk. I, I I will say this though. I I don't disagree with you. I think it would it scares me too, right? Which is, ooh, you got a rookie going back there. This <laughs> wind, this weather. 
Okay, first of all, let's remember, it's not something he's never done before. He's been returning sure. punts, and That's he's right. been returning kicks, you know, his, his whole life, essentially. Um, I'm sure that they've worked on, you know, stuff in the wind. Um, the, the other part of it is... Don't be surprised too if you know you if you need someone if you're scared of it you can have him back there to do that but you also have Micah Hyde if you think we just need to catch the ball just need to catch the ball like he's a guy that yeah, right. I think you would be he could be that punt catcher so to speak not the punt returner uh, famous uh, words that Wade Phillips said about uh, uh, Chris Watson back in the day go look it up but punt punt catcher I'm just saying they they I, I don't disagree with you. But, Nate, I think he already played in a big spot Thanksgiving night, prime time, in his hometown. Like, I I think that shows that they have a lot of confidence in him in pretty much any situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Obviously, the weather is a big X factor in this, but I look forward to uh, to catching up with you at halftime on Monday. Uh, enjoy your, your Sunday off. Hopefully, you'll uh, you'll get to watch some football, some red zone, and then uh, stay warm on Monday, man. You know, uh, make, make sure you got a winter hat and, and maybe something yeah. covering your face a little bit. I will. I already got – you know – the 2017 snow game, after that game... That probably if, prepared you for any sort of condition, I'm sure. What happened was, after that game, I, I actually went out and bought ski goggles to wear on the Ooh. sidelines for any time that I had... Because the snow was hitting my eyes so much, I couldn't keep them open to see... That's actually you know what a great I mean? like, idea. I couldn't see what was going on in the field. I had to cover my face. I'm like, I can't do my job. So literally, after that game, I went and bought ski goggles. I'm going to bring them with me. I've never brought them to a game. I don't even know if I'll use them, but I'm going to bring them Having just in case them, that happens. 100%. You should at least always have them. And right. I feel like that's probably good advice to anybody that's planning on going to yeah. the game. Ski goggles actually go. sounds like a great idea. I know, right? Because they protect against yeah. the, the tint. They protects against the the wind that's blowing at you. But yeah, we'll dress warm. I got you. Yeah, I mean we're gonna we'll be ready. And again, for everybody who is going to the game, needs to know if you just want to obviously know the weather. Pat Hammer joins me Monday. The regular extra point show is Monday. Obviously, he's going to join me at eleven thirty five, and and we'll talk all about it. Awesome, Sal. Appreciate you, buddy. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll uh, we'll talk at halftime on Monday. Okay, you too. Thanks. Awesome. Sal Capaccio there on the Western Hotline. Got to take a timeout. I got to get two in here. Then the 12 o'clock hour starts. I got Mike Giardi and Mark Schofield. We're talking Patriots Bills for the next hour here on WGR. All right, welcome back. I got to get in and out so I can get Mike Giardi of NFL Network to join us next. He uh, has been breaking down this Bills-Patriots game all week, so we'll talk to him here in just a few moments and get his thoughts on Monday Night Football and uh, what he expects to see even with the weather. So a timeout on the other side, NFL Network's Mike Giardi here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.